When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. LeBondra looking to get outside of LeBondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. And um, by the time I finish this sentence, Reading were already 1-0 down yesterday. And I might as well just end the podcast there because we all know that Reading don't come back into games. Unfortunately, there was another 90 minutes of football after that as well for anybody who was a Reading fan because Reading lost again yesterday, conceding four goals again. And I've been joined by Matt to discuss a 4-0 loss at Nottingham Forest on the Elm Park Rules podcast. Matt, how are you feeling this morning? I think I've already gone through all the cliches on previous weeks, haven't I, of, of it getting boring and everything. I, I, yeah, I don't know how much more of it I can take, to be honest. <laughs> and also joining us, Paul. Paul, are you also running out of cliches for this football team? Absolute shit, aren't we? <laughs> That's what we are. Uh, there's no kind of like way of dressing it up. And yeah, it's going to be another fun one discussing how bad we are just every single area. Paul Ince is having more and more time as Reading FC manager and we're definitely not getting better, are we, Alex? We're not getting any better. Uh, but we get the joy and pleasure to discuss the fact that we might actually be getting worse. And yesterday's team news, Matt, was not exactly fun reading, if I'm honest because we got the news that John Swift was not in the squad. Uh, Lucas Zhao was not in the starting eleven. Although Yakumete came back in and Scott Dan also came in, it was a team which was not one which looked particularly strong on paper. Yeah, I mean, you know, the minute you lose someone like John Swift, you know, I, I've, I, I know we kind of have critiqued him in the past, but, you know, he's someone that's got over 10 goals and assists this season. You can't be taking someone out that or someone of that caliber out of your team and thinking we're going to, we're still going to be good, you know, and then to couple that with Lucas Shaw going out. Yes, you had Yaku Mate coming in, but if you're going to choose Lucas Shaw or Yaku Mate up front, it's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? You'd probably rather see Yaku Mate out wide anyway in, in, in that team. Um, it was just, it's just disappointing. Obviously, we heard after the game that Swift was Swift was COVID. It seems like there's been a COVID outbreak. I think that's what Xiao had earlier in the week from what they were saying. Tom Holmes has got COVID, you know. So, where I guess it was the best that we could have had. You know, there will always be the people that will say that you know if Xiao can be on the bench, why can't he start? But 
yeah, you know, it, it, it wasn't, like you say, it wasn't fun reading when you're walking to the ground. It kind of put a downer on it. You know, you were hoping to see Zhao starting. He wasn't. See Swift out as well. You're already thinking you're on the back foot. And it didn't take long, Paul, for Reading to find themselves on the back foot because they conceded 17 seconds after kickoff. And I don't think we'd actually touched the ball before the ball was in the back of the Reading net. No, um, you're absolutely right there. Tom McIntyre getting absolutely pulled apart there by Spence, who's an absolutely a top quality player. He's surely going to be Premier League bound next season. And, um, well, I guess he could sign for Forest as well. They could be in the Premier League as well, couldn't they, next season? Or Middlesbrough. But you got to say, just horrendous defending there down the left-hand side by McIntyre, who is not a centre-back, but still, that's pretty bad. The turn is it's really good by Davis, isn't it? I'm not going to... He's such in such good form but 17 seconds i mean it's great when you take the lead after that amount of time it's amazing but when you concede like that you just question everything that's happened in the week leading up to it because where's the shame where's the basic foundations of the team they don't seem to be there i mean who's setting that up is paul ins isn't it? it it makes a mockery of the quotes from the week which were, we've spent the week working on defensive shape and cover because they got pulled apart within, literally within 20 seconds. Um, as you say, McIntyre gets ripped to shreds with one pass, which just cuts it between him and Hoylett. He's two yards away from, two yards away from, I don't think it's Spence who puts in the cross, but uh, he's two yards away from the player who puts in the ball into Davis. And, you know, he's got a pretty good turn, as you say, and, Southwood, although it's not a, it's not in the corner of the finish, he's six yards from goal, and Southwood's got very, very little chance of doing anything at that point. And we go 1-0 down, Matt, and it, it doesn't even seem like there was much in the way of... Uh, response. There wasn't much in the way of fight or response from... Uh, not re- response from the crowd, but there wasn't... It, it was almost... Uh, acceptance that we'd lost the game at that point already after one minute from both the players and the fans. Well, it's because the stat of, you know, where we've only come back in three games from when we've gone behind. You know, I think it's like seven points or something we've gained from losing positions. You know, it's there's, there's something in this team where, and I think we've said it for quite a few years now, like, yes, every single year we've been talking about it. We've been, you know, a relegation fighting team so maybe it's not surprising but when when this team goes behind there's there's like you say there's no there's no real plan to come back into a game like yes I guess your plan's thrown out the window after you concede after 17 seconds but you know like immediately once once that goes in it's just here we go again you know we've seen this script a thousand times before you know we've seen these players crumble in the second halves a thousand times before and it's it's just getting it's just getting boring it is getting so so boring watching a team that just has no just well just complete ineptitude seemingly going forwards at the moment and just so defensively and mentally fragile i wouldn't i wouldn't i mean i get it is boring matt but i'd say it's just really depressing it is so predictable. You know, it's depressing, happen, boring. It? Yeah, it, yeah, it's semantics, isn't it? Yeah, we can exactly. choose our own like word phrases for it. But for me, it's just depressing watching us because you know what's coming 
and we will talk about this a bit later, obviously going into more depth, but in the second half, as soon as Forrest started to get some pressure, you thought it's coming, isn't it? And once that second one goes in, you know what's going to happen. But yeah, staying back on the first half, I thought after the goal, we kind of come back into it slightly and it was even-ish in that first half, Alex. But wow, there was some really horrible stuff to come. Yeah, I mean, even it was even-ish. Um, like Reading didn't create a whole ton of chances. It was even, I guess, in the sense, very similar to the other games we've seen under Paul Ince in the first half, where neither team has really created a great chance, particularly. Um, although there's been some goals, neither team's created great chances in any of the first halves that we've seen under Paul Ince so far. And it was kind of similar in, in yesterday, to be honest, after after the first goal went in. Um, up until Reading had a corner 25, 30 minutes in, I think. And we had basically our two best chances of the game came from this corner um, with a goal-mouth scramble. Matt, Tom McIntyre, maybe I think Tom McIntyre's chance is a difficult one. He's, he's going, through, going through bodies about seven or eight yards from goal. But I really feel that Morrison should score the rebound. Um, he's got a free free shot of goal from, what, three yards out? And the, he's hit it basically straight at the keeper. Um, and it would have been a, you know, it's a game changer to equalise, obviously. Um, but the game would have played out so differently had Reading got an equaliser in that first half, you'd imagine. Possibly, yeah. And like you say, when, when you've got a chance three four yards out like it was it's not an exaggeration that you know you've got to be you've got to be getting in somehow especially when 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 you're in a situation like we are it's easy to say i know but it's like you know this team seemingly under paul ince isn't creating chance after chance after chance you know and when you get a chance like that you've just got to take it and i mean good save by the keeper right place right time you can call it whatever you want but you know morrison he's got to be he's got to be doing something with it there you know you've got to you've simply got to score those chances you know because like I say you're not going to get many chances like that seemingly under Paul Ince because we're not like attacking we just don't really seem to be a team that's making many chances I think if it's a striker he scores there I think that's the issue isn't it it's fallen to Morrison who's obviously a centre back, and I, I know it's kind of. I hope any football player would be able to score that though. You're three yards. Yeah, but, yeah, but come on, players do miss chances. If you they saw do. the Fulham game earlier, which you probably didn't see as you were driving there, the miss by Harry Wilson, the header. I did see that on Quest actually. That that was just unbelievable. This is what I... happens though, isn't it? I mean, that's the far far easier chance than the Morrison one yesterday. He hasn't even got a goalie in his way, and. He's an attacking player, Wilson, but let's not start talking about Fulham too much. But I do think the better chance really was the Josh Lauren one because he I know he doesn't score that many goals, but to not actually get that on target, Alex, that, that was a bad error. Yeah, so the Tom Ince, Tom Ince with a pretty good run down the left-hand side um, for this chance. Surprisingly, it's come down the left for Tom Ince, um, despite the fact he plays in the right wing his best moment really came on the left-hand side that here creating the chance for Josh Laurent and he's lobbed a ball in once he's got into the penalty area, uh, Tom Ince to Josh Laurent and the header's probably seven yards from goal, eight yards from goal, I think. And it's it's not a terrible effort from Josh Laurent, Matt, 
but I feel like he's uh, from from the away end. I thought he got wiped out as he took the header. I didn't think it was a penalty or anything, but it looks like he's kind of been hit as he's as he's headed it. Watching the replay, I don't think he has. I think he's kind of been he's he's just headed at a, a kind of an awkward angle, uh, and it's gone just wide. He probably, having seen the replay, probably should do better. Right? Yeah, I mean. We're going to say this quite a few times, though, aren't we? About about seemingly chances for this team, but like, yeah, it's it's. I'd in 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 my opinion, I'm more looking at the Morrison mess than than the Laurent mess because you know he he was still seven eight yards out or so with the header. You know, it's 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 not a simple it's not a simple header. You'd want him to get it on target, but to be honest, if I'm looking at the two chances, Morrison from three yards out over over the header from Morrison, uh, the header from Lawrence, sorry, even when it is, you know, Morrison taking a shot from three yards. I, I, that that one sticks in my memory a lot more than the Lawrence header, I have to say. And the first half, Paul, we had, we, we actually picked up three yellow cards in that first half as well. Um, Tom Ince picking up a yellow card very early on for dissent against the referee. Drinkwater picking up a yellow card as well. Um, and Yeardom also getting a yellow card. And I was convinced that Drinkwater was going to get himself sent off yesterday because I he just couldn't make a challenge at all. Um, and every challenge he gave, I think he gave away 3,000 in the first half after getting his yellow card as well. And it was, it, honestly, I was very surprised that he wasn't sent off at some point. Yeah, well, if you look at the second goal, I think if he wasn't on a yellow, he pulls him down there, doesn't he? That's what happens there with Davis. He's going to kind of trip him up, pull him back. He's going to give away a free kick there. I mean, I don't think that's the reason why we lost. I think there's lots of other issues there. I think yesterday was the first time we saw a really angry Reading team. And I don't mean with everyone. I mean with themselves. They seem to be angry with all the other players. And this is a real sign of a team that's breaking up. Well, there's Paul Ince that's probably kind of trying to engineer the anger and bring that out in the team and responsibility and senior players trying to motivate younger players or just other players, basically. You, um, you, could, I don't you know. could see this. You could see this after every goal. That every goal, there was one or two or three players who had an... Or, obvious reaction to a goal going in um the first goal morrison turns around and shouts at mcintyre as soon as as soon as the goal goes in it's the first thing morrison does um the the third goal uh fourth goal third goal the third goal goes in and and morrison and dan have exactly the same reaction mate had the same reaction hands up in the air like no idea how we've conceded it um like the the player you can see the players are now beginning to lose faith in each other. If that makes sense, there's very little um, belief in each other at this point. It looks like when they can see goals, they almost seem to, as you say, blame each other and, and getting frustrated and angry now at each other as opposed to being a team in inverted commas. Um, yeah, I'm sure second... if you spoke to them in the training ground, I bet that wouldn't they would admit to it. But there, there seems to be issues. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Now. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. If we were to if we were to see social media posts come out from the club, they'd say, "Oh, it's all about spirit and belief and being a team." But we, we can all see it on the field that they don't they don't buy into each other at the minute. So it's what happens on the field that matters, not not what happens on the internet. Unfortunately for them, um, 
And the second half, the second half was just, it's just crap. Honestly, it's crap. Um, I'd love to try and describe it like in any other way, but it's just rubbish. We had no, uh, we had one shot in the second half and that was it. But was it 4-0? It was 4-0 at that point. It was 4-0 at this point. We had one shot. Does it really Um, matter? I mean, it doesn't, does it? Yeah, it doesn't. No, the shot is irrelevant. Um, We had four, we had three subs. We ended up playing some kind of formation with Ovi Ajaria playing defensive midfield at one point because he's been brought on to play centrally. I have no idea. It's so difficult to try and describe what the, the game plan was to try and get back into the game because there just wasn't one. And Reading, I think this might be the, the earliest sub we've seen under Paul Ince, Matt, because Reading made a sub after 58 minutes, 59 minutes with Ovi Ajaria coming on for Andy Rinomota, who also had a, an inexplicably poor game yesterday. Every time he touched the ball, he seemed to lose it. 57 minutes. Um, I think I think we all nearly uh, like just, just were in shock and awe that we've actually tried to change something on the front foot. It was... Um, uh, it, it, it was a surprise. <laughs> um, I think it's probably one of the earliest subs we've seen all season as well, not just under Paul Ince. Um, but yeah, 57 minutes bringing over Yajari on. I mean, like you say, Rinomota was dreadful. He was like, well, there was a lot of bad players on the pitch, but first half, he, he couldn't do anything right. You know, um, very much like drink water, Hoylet, you know, McIntyre, like the list was endless to, we'll, yesterday. We'll have to come back to Hoyler <laughs> when we discuss his substitution. Yeah, um, because I think there's been a lot of eyes on other players compared to Hoyler, I think, just due to circumstances. But yeah, but I mean, Renamota was, he was as bad. Like that, that's as bad of a performance as I can remember from Renamota in a long, long time. But you bring Ajaria on, you think he's probably, we might switch to a 4-2-3-1. Yes, you've got Laurent and Drinkwater then in a holding midfield, but at least you've got Ovi up the pitch. You know, he can maybe try and try and play as a number 10 role, fill a kind of swift kind, kind of role. But he ends up, like you say, in defensive midfield. And it was just so odd, you know, and, and, and you see it in the goals that then happen how easily he's turned and everything because he's not a defensive player. It's just the most baffling, well, not substitution. I can understand the substitution, but the game plan after there, and it's, it's, it's seemingly what, what, what's, what's happening at the moment. Like we're a team, you know, devoid of confidence losses, you know, racking up since, you know, November, October last year, can't seem to buy wins. And we're bringing bring on players to to play in just positions that are just totally alien to them and just completely illogical to play them in those positions. I mean, what, what is Ovi Ajaria going to do playing defensive midfield when we're chasing a game 1-0? Like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> not his role at all, is it? You might as well put a new southward up front. I mean, I will say Ajaria, did, he it. did at least win the ball a couple of times, which was more than can be said for some of the other players on the field. He, oh, he on, did, and, and I'm not saying, saying, so, I'm not so saying I wanted it. him to play there, but hey, he you know he did something. So, but um, it's yeah. it's just it's just illogical, and it's just like 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 I say, just when when you're chasing a game, one 0 even like even if you're defending a lead, you're not going to bring over your Jara on to play centre defensive midfield, are you? Like, but it's just like I, I would love to see a plan in this team going forwards. 
because there is just you can't see anything there is no planning like like we said with the first goal they're talking about defensive shape that they've worked on all week that's complete bollocks because that's gone out the window after after 17 seconds you know you then go behind you you have a first half which is just so flat and then you have a second half where you just capitulate yet again how 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 many times are we going to see this like how many times are we going to have to go to games watching a team just completely inept of of ideas structure formation like i mean i, I couldn't even tell you a formation that they were playing like i say it looked like Ovi was playing defensive midfield but like what, what i feel like if we if we if we were to ask the players or or paul Lintz or any of the coaching staff what the formation was meant to be or what the plan was meant to be i think you would get a very different answer from them everyone uh, yeah. versus what the fans probably saw yesterday because it was very different on the field as opposed to what they probably wanted it to be. And it didn't take long for that substitution to basically become irrelevant because 62nd minute, Keenan Davis got his second goal of the game. It's a really, you know, it, I'd say, I want to say it's a good goal, but ultimately it's just a bit of crap defending once again. Uh, he picks up the ball about 25 yards out and he gets not a free run at goal, Paul. Um but he beats two players very easily with a turn before kind of just shoving or, or shrugging off Drinkwater, who's put in a very kind of weak, meek kind of attempt to try and shoulder barge him. And it's a reasonably good finish into the corner of the goal and it's 2-0 and it's game over. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Forest fan, you'll say that's a quality goal. But from a Redden point of view, Scott Dan looked about 65 there with that turn, didn't he? Just absolutely ripped him apart. That's, there, David. So, that's so that's so generous to a sixty-five I... uh, to, to Scott Dan. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I but Scott Dan, though, I'm not going to start like on him. But on that moment, he looked. Yeah, you could tell there was an age difference there, definitely, and the, just the sheer quality of speed and pace and turn, and also the Scott Dan's been out for two months or so, so we should remember that as well. So, but you look at the situation when being chased back there by Drinkwater, he's just not going to. Not can't, not going to pull him back, is he? Because he knows he's going to get a red card, as I mentioned before. But does he really get close enough to even pull him back? I, I'm not sure. Not he really, he no. puts an arm in very late, just before the shot comes across, and that's it. But I mean, as I said at the game, if he had been sent off, I'm not sure it would have made a difference, like realistically, to the the overall like overall performance. Um, well, this way, if he wasn't in the lineup on Tuesday or whenever we're playing Bournemouth, would everyone be disappointed? Or happy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Can I just make a quick observation, though, as well? Because, like, how many... Like, like, like it's all well and good saying about Scott Dan looking 65 and and, and, and everything. But, like, how, how many times... Scott Dan is 10 yards in front of the back line. And how many times are Reading defenders... One Reading, like, be it Holmes, Morrison, Scott Dan, McIntyre... They have all been just guilty of doing this so many times this season where they where they push 10 yards further forward seemingly from from the rest of the defensive line all... complete completely stuffs the defensive line and then you know Keenan Keenan Davis has almost got you know a free run in front of him because all, all he's got is a is a rather feeble drink water trying to chase him down from from behind because Scott Dan has come 10 yards out they're all too keen to win the ball back straight away there's no it's, and it's just, it, it's there's just no stupid. there's no shape yeah, there's no well. It, they they're all so keen to try and win the ball back and, and basically clear any defensive um, defensive issue that might be there. That basically they end up making it worse for themselves every single week because of the fact that 
they have they panic when the ball is is within ten yards of them, and there's a player who's You've got, got to ball. have some sort of brain though. Like I mean, we like like we were talking about it yesterday at the game, Alex. Like like the footballing intelligence, and we've said this to be fair so many times before, but the footballing intelligence of this team is one of the worst I've ever seen of a football team, literally ever. They just like like seemingly they 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 just come out and they just look like like you say that they're just it's just panic stations whenever a ball gets them even if they've got the ball at, at their feet drink water when he tries to spray a stupid pass 40 yards to nobody you know be it in defense when when, when, when you're getting someone running towards them and they just dive out it's just complete and utter panic and they're like like you've got experienced players here scott dan 300 odd premier league appearances you know you've got morrison you know four five hundred caps at the championship level and it's just stupidity every single week yeah well the problem is if you're scott dan is that there's no other leadership around you is there so what do you do you do you've something got morrison you next to you who's, who's been a captain at, at uh, birmingham for three four five years i think there is there is leadership within the t- within the squad i think this is something because they were talking about this in paul Lynn's interview that i think we played five players over the age of 30 yesterday within the team yeah yeah but that's fine that's it, fine it's character, it's leadership at the moment yeah i don't think i think some of them should be but i don't think they are i think that's the issue you look at all the games that they've played and i'm thinking yeah okay that makes total sense you'd want them in the team we're in a terrible situation but are they being those characters that you want them to be uh, I don't think so. I don't think yeah, so. I, I, I agree. It's easy for us to say, yes, they've been leaders here, there, and everywhere, but actually, n- none of them really act like a leader. None of them are, none of them really step up and, you know, do anything to try and change how the team are acting. Um, so it, it's difficult to kind of say that they are being leaders right now. And, uh, you know, even if they were in the past, the, the game kind of continues on that. Um, and another 10 minutes go by. Lucas Yao eventually comes on and Danny Drinkwater comes off probably predictably because he, again, like Renamoto, was having a very, very bad game. And he's been on the field all of two minutes, Paul, when Ryan Yates gets a shot away from 25 yards. And this one is next to Southwood. There's... Zero excuse for him not to save this. Um, and if Raphael had conceded this, I would have gone ballistic because it's just a, it was another long range effort where the keeper should save it. Frankly, it's a it, a really really poor piece of goalkeeping. Um, and as much as people can can get on Southwood's back for for not coming to cane crosses and making errors, this this is just a poor attempt at saving a shot. Um, and it's, yeah, really, really awful. Yeah, well, I can't disagree with any of what you've said there. Um, if it was Raphael, he'd get absolutely blasted for that. Obviously, he's no longer at the club. But that's just, it's terrible. It's not good. And it seems to be that Southwood has got absolutely zero confidence now. And you can see how this has happened. He's made a lot of mistakes. You can't dress it up. He's an academy player. and But he's just not good enough at the moment, is he? And he had a good seven or eight games at the start when he first came in, but he was still making errors and getting away with them, which was fine. We wanted that con- to continue, obviously, and gain confidence and start making those mistakes. But now 
you're never sure what's going to happen with him. When I watched it back initially, I thought, oh, is there a deflection on that shot? No, there wasn't. That was just really poor goalkeeping. It's not even near to the post, Alex. It's, no, kind of, it's, it's not central, it's, but it, it's, it's not. Basically, it's basically central. It's as, it's as central as a shot from 25 yeah. yards is going to yeah. be. Um, and, you know, I think 90% of the goalkeepers in the Football League will save that shot. It's a 95, just, I'd say, at least. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a very, very poor goal to concede um, for, for a goalkeeper. And, I mean, at that point, the game, we were, we'd obviously said the game was over, but at that point, there's almost no point in, in Reading trying to compete for the last 10 minutes because Forrest have wrapped the game up and they'll just play the game out with the ball. We do bring Barker on for the last 10 minutes, um, Matt, who came on for Junior Hoylet. And Junior Hoylet yesterday was the source of so many of my frustrations. I mean, not just him solely, but I just, he's so ineffective out on the left wing because he has no left foot. So every time he runs forwards, he cuts back to knock it backwards to someone who's got a left foot to put the ball in because he he, he doesn't have the pace to beat a man and then cut back to his right foot. Um, I, 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 I think I'm, I'm kind of over Junior Hoylet. I don't see what he brings to the team. I don't see what he adds. Um, I know Tom Ince gets a lot of stick because he's, you know, obviously in the situation that we're in with with Paul Ince as, as his dad and the manager and the fact that he's on the field. But ultimately, I think Junior Hoylet is is playing worse. He's he's just so ineffective. I, I don't see what he's adding or bringing to this team at all. I, I think we'd be better off starting Ajaria, Barker. We've got so many wingers now in the squad. and I don't know what Hoylet does to deserve these starts at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it's like... I. I've I lost count of how many times you know Hoylet, like you said, had the ball down, down on the left, and yet he he couldn't get across it, and he passed passed it back. You just you're praying for him to try and just get a ball into the box, and I can't even remember if he even made a cross yesterday. You know, um, it it was one of the worst performances I've seen from a winger yesterday with Hoylet, quite frankly, and and it's it's becoming a recurring theme. Like 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 we say, Ince's had a lot of criticism you know probably more because of circumstances around himself his dad at the club like you say but but Hoylet I mean I I can't see how he can start on Tuesday night because it's it's just his performances aren't getting any better I mean I think he had one good game against he was okay against Birmingham but again, it's easy to say a player was good when they win a game. You know, in every single game that we've lost so far, you know, he has been absolutely dreadful. You know, like like he he's been as bad as you know people have been portraying Tom Ince to be. Yesterday, Tom Ince was pretty pretty good to be fair. Of, of like of all the players that you know were playing yesterday, he's probably one of one of the players that 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 were okay. He 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 was making good runs. He was drawing fouls. You know which was more than a lot of other people were doing. But, I mean, is, is Hoyler running out of gas? Is he just, is, is he hiding in a team that's struggling? You know, I think it's much more of the latter. He just looks like he, he he's almost hiding in this team, or certainly seems to be, because nothing really is coming from him at the moment. And, I mean, Barker, is it Barker? Baker comes on. And, Barker immediately one of the first things i remember him doing was just 
a drive forwards like is there much quality with him that's probably up for debate you know some of the corners he put in were utterly dreadful but at least on the pitch like one of the like I say one of the first things that he did when he came on picked up the ball in his own half and drove ran forwards you know which, which again you're not really seeing from Hoylet he's getting the ball and he's turning back you know that, that there's there's nothing really in Hoylet that's taking him forwards anymore I think one of the major issues with Ince is that we've got Yaku Mato who plays in his position and he's not coming on in games normally. I know he started yesterday, but you've got to think, come on, Yaku Mato needs to be on that pitch. We need goals. Like last week against Millwall, he's not coming on until five minutes to go or something, which is totally ridiculous. You, you need a goal. And for Paul Ince then to come out this week and then say, oh, He's not fit. He can't start matches. I know managers come out of this to kind of like sideline other managers. And I don't know, it's all bollocks really. But you think, come on, who would you rather have in that team? Yaku Mate or Ince? It's going to be Mate. I'd, have, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have Mate over Hoylet though right now. And at least with Mate on the left, you'd have a left-footed player on the left rather than Hoylet, who's right-footed. Well, you'd have a Jaria, wouldn't you, instead of Hoylet? Yeah, but Ajara again is right-footed. So yeah, but I don't have anyone behind him at the whole... moment because he's not playing well, is he? So you've got to exchange it up. But yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but I'd be taking I'd be taking out Hoylet before Ince right now because Hoylet, quite frankly, is just he's useless in the team. Yeah, my nothing, point was he's, he's Matt, I was talking good. about when he doesn't come on. That was my point. I would if you're going to have Ince, that's fine, but I would have Mate in the team every single time. I think we can agree that all of our wingers currently are pretty ineffective. Like, it doesn't matter who we're talking about. They're all pretty ineffective because we don't create any chances. So none of them can be doing a particularly great job. Um, Forrest knocking the fourth. I, to be honest, we're not going to discuss the fourth because what's the point? It's the same as every other goal Reading concede. It's a goal from the right-hand side, gets whipped in. There's only two two defenders at this point because we've made three attacking subs to try and get back into a game when we're 2-0 down. Uh, and then concede again. It's a reasonably good finish from Sam Surridge um, from 12 yards out after the ball's been been put into him. First time finish, 4-0, game's over after 80, well, game's done at 80 minutes and Reading's goal difference has taken another battering. Uh, so we'll move on, Paul, to the aftermatch comments from Paul Lintz, which were... Confusing, I think, is probably the best word for them. Um, some of the comments were a little bit uh, just odd. Um, there was a lot of use of we and they when he discussed players and teams. At, it, it doesn't, it just, the way he conducted that press conference, it doesn't make it sound like he's bought into being part of the group if that makes sense. And it's just essentially him versus the players. Yeah, which I think is the mentality that he's trying to bring, isn't it? He's trying to bring anger into the team. And uh, I think he's also trying to distance himself from the team when we're not good. I, I think that's what he's trying to say. It's their responsibility, not mine, which ultimately is your responsibility, Paul, because you can't just distance yourself from the team and only be associated when we're winning. I'm sure he'd disagree with those comments, but it felt like he was doing that because, like you say, he was alternating between we, they, us. It it was very odd. It was really strange. And I know sometimes that can happen when you're probably having interview repeatedly and he's probably done two or three before and he's doing them all the time. But it did feel like kind of I'm not responsible for that bit. 
that's down to the players on the pitch. And ultimately it is. I'm sure he didn't say to him, go out there and act like absolute dickheads for the first 20 seconds and then cost us the whole of the game and not defend properly. But come on. He was only two weeks ago. He was saying, oh, it's going to be good because we're going to have more time to create shape defensively because we've got space in between games. And now he's had that time and we don't look any better. I mean, it's not like it's the first time we've conceded four goals this season. So that's not a new thing. That's not just Paul Inns. But the interview itself was, it was weird. It was weird. And I really hope it's one of the last ones we hear from him because I want to get a proper manager in and he's not that guy. He really isn't. He He's, he, he's not long-term, no. Um, Matt, I, I don't know if you picked up the interview yesterday, but the, the, the other quote which really stuck with me was around Paul Inns said, to the players, I don't want to see any of this ticky tacker crap anymore like you've been doing for the past year, which I found very ironic because yesterday a lot of the, in inverted commas, game plan was knock the ball long to Yakumate to win the header, for Yakumate to run on to win the ball, for Yakumate to then create his own chance. That's not a style of play unfortunately which is ever going to win you a game of football um so i found it quite ironic that his he doesn't want the team to play in the same style of football that they've been playing for the last year but the style of play that we've played for the last what three matches now has created basically zero chances in the area for in all three games well it's like it's it's like what we're saying actually just about about there just being no plan at the moment. I mean, like, Paul, it seems to be, you know, the king of saying the obvious things to say, you know, like like coming out of, after the game yesterday and saying that performance was embarrassing, you know, the players are mentally weak. Yeah, we bloody know this. We've seen this for three, four bloody years. We don't need to be told this. What we need to see is actual actions, changes in the team, changes in form, changes in style. You know, it's all well and good, like, say, saying, you know, stuff this ticket tacky rubbish but it's not not three four games ago when he took over when he said that oh oh we look like Barcelona against uh against Preston you know and you just think like he's just coming out with these obvious quotes with just no substance behind them in the Preston one though he did also say in the second half of that match it did look like he did understand why we were in the situation we were because we can't defend he did Barrow, not, very... Barrow not Barcelona yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everyone, I've seen a lot of people saying that, quoting that one on social media, saying about the Barcelona. And yeah, he did say that. But I also remember that uh, he did also point out that, yeah, we were basically shit when, when put under any pressure, which we but, did. We got away with it against Preston because we should have conceded the third goal against Preston. There's no doubt on that. And I'm glad we didn't. But it kind of hit the fact that we are still pretty, not pretty, we are shit, aren't we? I mean, we come are, on. We are, but it's, it's, Our defensive it's, record is absolutely atrocious. Well, it's, it's embarrassing. It's, shocking. it's horrendous. I mean, to, con- to concede 72 goals in a season is bad enough. 72 goals after 30, was it 36 games? Yeah, we're currently on course to concede 92. It's just shocking. And you're not going to stay up if you're conceding that many goals. You know, we, we've conceded like 20 goals more already than virtually everyone in the league. Like, And yes, you could say, oh, we're down, down near the bottom. 
but it's just dreadful. And it's like so many times we, we, we're just sat there watching three, four nil drummings. Like I say, it's just getting just depressing. It's just boring. It's shit. It's Can just... we beat 106 in the worst way possible? That is the question, isn't it? 107, we've got the record. I don't know if that's <laughs> ever going to pick up as a chant at the Nadeski uh, uh, going forwards. But, you've got to laugh um, at it because it's so bad, haven't you? Uh, I don't, don't really If think you don't laugh, you'll cry. And I mean, yeah. I'm sure plenty of crying will happen um, for the rest of the season because we're not going to pick up many wins. And the only other person who Reading fans heard from after the game yesterday was Josh Laurent, who Paul, again, at this point, the fans don't want to hear from the players because the players are saying the same thing week after week. And people are just bored and fed up of it at this point. Um, the reaction pretty much from what I've seen of, of the comments that Josh Lauren came out with, you know, we've got to find spirit and belief and this, that and the other. All the comments I've seen have pretty much just been, don't care. Just like, just don't be so shit. I don't know. I think if he doesn't come out, they get even more abuse. So I understand. It's, it, I think it's at the point where people don't people don't want to hear from them because it's, yeah, it's, some people don't. It's, it's just platitudes, yeah. right? Like it's yes, it's platitudes. Some people and... don't want to hear, but I suspect there are some people because if they don't come out, they say, "Oh, they bottled it. Why have they not come out? And why haven't they said something?" So that's a tricky one. I mean. I doubt Josh Lawrence was absolutely gagging to come out and make comments after that match. Who, who would be? Probably not. Nobody. No, Probably nobody not. would be. You know, it's like I don't see anyone else standing up to do it. But I don't know how the rotation system works with that. So that's a difficult one to talk about. But I don't know. It, you can't win there. You really can't win. No, well, you can't win when you lose. <laughs> pretty much is the way it works, unfortunately. Which is pretty um, much every week, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> As the chant goes, we're not, you're nothing special because we lose every week. Um, that's three losses in a row and 11 losses in 15 now. We did get some good fortune yesterday, it must be said, because none of the team's blowers can win either because they're also not very good. Um, Barnsley managed to throw away a, a, a winning position against Fulham at home, which was very fortunate for us because... Barnsley dominated the first half against Fulham at home. Um, so the gap is now down to four points with Derby losing as well. They don't close up on us and we've still got a game in hand. The game in hand, let's be honest, is irrelevant because we don't pick up many points. So probably not worth anything. And Peterborough, although they didn't lose, they managed to uh, you know come from behind twice against Stoke at home, pick up a point, and they're now six points behind us. I... I I want to ask, are we going to go down, Paul? But I just don't... It's no one... A, nobody really knows at this point because we're still four points clear of Barnsley. But also, it's the mood is so negative. If I asked Reading fans on social media at this point, it's going to be 90% of people are going to assume we're getting relegated, right? Yeah, but if you ask that to Barnsley, Peterborough, Derby fans would say exactly the same. And not all of those teams can go down. One of them's going to stay up, aren't they? <laughs> so... Kind Whichever of, team yeah. stays up this year owes the other teams a, a, you know, a giant thank you and they should be sending them something in the post over summer. It's been that way for quite a few seasons out of the last five or six for Reading now, hasn't it? I mean, we've been absolutely dire in kind of four out of the last six or so because obviously two of them we've got to, one of them a playoff final and the other one seventh. But it's really odd how we've done that. But do I think we're still going to stay up? 
yeah, weirdly, I still think we will if Lucas Jow and John Swift stay fit because those two players are enough to keep us up because the two teams, well, not two teams, the three teams below us don't have players of that quality. And hopefully that will be enough. We're going to concede a load more goals. We're going to lose matches, but the teams below us aren't going for the playoffs. They aren't going to suddenly win five or six games on the trot. Just not going to happen. How many wins, Matt, do Reading need to get to stay up? Uh, how many wins? Probably three. If you get to 38 points, you stay up. But I, I can't agree with you, Paul. I really can't. I like this. Like, I know, I know, you know, you said before, Alex, about, you know, 90% of Reading fans will say that will go down but it's like I, I just can't even see us getting a win I can't even see us going to Oakwell at Barnsley and when, when, when do we play them April and getting a win because we just can't buy a win and at least a team like Barnsley seemingly have had a have had a resurgence at home at least they've got something to cling on to they've got home form you know they, they were dreadful before I think it's like run of four games or something isn't it that they're unbeaten at home it's just little things like that. We don't even have a little thing like that to cling on to right now, you know, but I I think three wins, 38 points, you know, Barnsley needing to get, what would that be? 13 points. Barnsley would need to get 14 to get points then in 10 which, games which, to finish above us. Which you'd think would be, would be a stretch, but like, like I say, I, I, where are those three wins going to come from? I like, I wouldn't even be able to give you Barnsley away as a, as a win right now. You know, I've I've seen enough of this team this year, sadly. We've all seen enough of the team. Let's be honest. Nobody wants to watch the last 10 games of the season, I'm sure. But unfortunately, there's still 10 games to go. We've got Bournemouth away midweek, followed by Blackburn next weekend. We'll be back with podcasts for both of them, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately, depending on how much you enjoy the podcast. If you have enjoyed the podcast... Uh, please do subscribe. And on a another note of news, not related to Reading Football Club, thankfully, Blue Collar Food opened Blue Collar Corner this weekend. Paul, we were fortunate enough to go down on Friday um, for the soft launch, I think it was described as. Excellent venue, great beer, lovely food. And I think I would urge all Reading fans to to go and try it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Go, go, go. Don't hesitate. Go there. Sleep there. Wake up there. Drink there. Eat there. Just do everything there. Live your life there. Work there. Just be there. Thursday to Sunday, that's it. There's no excuse. That is That should be your life from now it's on. A, um, it, yeah. It's going to be an ideal spot, I think, for people to you know go pre-match to. It opens at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. You can go there, have a pre-match. Have your pre-match blue collar. Get yourself to the stadium on Saturday before the game against Blackburn. Fully recommend it. It's on Hosier Street um, behind Broad Street Mall. So, yeah, uh, get yourself down there. We'll be back after the Bournemouth game in midweek. I hope you can all join us then. Cheers.